Welcome to episode 318 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Wine, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right. We're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door, and they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild-caught, their beef is 100% grass-fed and 100% grass-finished, their chicken is free-range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash IF podcast and use IF podcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash IF podcast and use code IF podcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash podcast with code podcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 318 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with my still new co-host, Vanessa Spina. Vanessa? How are you today? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you doing? I'm so good. I've been looking forward to this. For listeners, we had to cancel one of our last sessions or reschedule it. So it's been, I've been so excited to talk to you today. Me too. It's been way too long. Like I feel like it was forever ago that we got to record our last episode. And I've just been like, it's been giving me extra happy just knowing that we were going to be recording today. So I'm so happy to be here. I know we have so much to talk about. I have a super random question to ask you to start off. 
I thought about this like forever ago. And I think I told you in a text, I was just going to save it for the episode. It's so random. It's very random. Are you familiar with the seven deadly sins? Yes. And like the seven virtues? I mean, my husband and Pete and I talk about them a lot together and he has taught me a lot about them, but like he's taught me the meaning behind some of them that I didn't understand. He was like Catholic school kid and and like we both love the teachings of of Jesus and like we follow, we try to follow by his example as much as possible. But we talk about the like what they mean and like what the deeper definitions of that they are sometimes just like when we're walking, going for walks and stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was a much deeper dive. (laughs) So, okay. The question I have for you, and I can answer it as well for me, the seven of them are lust. I'm looking at them right now. Lust, gluttony, pride, sloth, wrath, greed, and envy. I am wondering which one do you struggle with the most and which one do you struggle with the least? Oh, it's such a good question. That's such a good question. I need to look at the list again. You can pull it up if you want. I mean, I feel like I have a little bit of all of them. <laughs> and I'm trying to work on them all the time and become better and just be conscious of, of when I am engaging in those things, if that makes sense. For me, it's very intuitive. Like I immediately know. I immediately know which one I struggle with the most and I immediately know which one I struggle with the least. Okay, you start then. I struggle the most with envy, for sure. I don't like it either. I d- and what's, this is, cr- okay, what's crazy is I, I had been wanting to ask you this question on this show. And then last night I was listening to Joe Rogan with Joe Rogan and David Buss. Have you heard of him? Mm-mm. His research is in evolutionary psychology. His books are all about evolutionary psychology of like sexuality and sex. So like basically dating dynamics, marriage dynamics, the evolutionary purpose behind male-female relationships. But he was talking about the evolutionary purpose of envy. It's a good thing. It's it's because men don't know necessarily they need to protect the female they are with because they don't ever know that they're necessarily the father because only the only a female will know that the child is her own because it came from her body, but a male doesn't know. So he has to aggressively be protective of the female that he's trying to bear children with. So that's like the purpose of envy. That was like a whole tangent. So so I struggle the most with envy and I don't like the experience of it either. Like I just hate feeling jealous. I just don't like it. So I actively try to work on that. I struggle the least with sloth. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like when I was younger, envy was probably the main one until I realized that the feeling of envy means that you see something in someone else that you don't believe that you can have or experience. And when I realized that I could shift that to, if I feel joy, when I see something in someone else that I would also like to have or experience, then that means I believe I can experience it as well. And that's when like the joy grows and expands (laughs) because you're like, now when you see that quality in others, you're like, oh, that means I'm getting closer to it or I'm seeing more like manifestations of it, you know? So it's like, it's a big shift, I think. Yeah. But I think pride is, is the other one that, that jumped out at me. It's probably the one that I struggle with the most because, and I know we've talked about this before, just like in our personal conversations, but I really don't like 
excessive ego in others. And because it's such an issue for me, I have concerns that there's probably some in me too, or else it wouldn't bother me so much in other people. You know, like if I interview a certain guest and I feel like they have a really big head, it it really bothers me. Like I really like humility. And so I'm constantly like concerned with, am I being humble and meek? you know, in, in this situation, am I like grounding myself, like just being very self-aware of that. And the other ones, I think sloth also is not an issue (laughs) for me. I, I like, I like to hustle, but I love what Dave Asprey said in your interview with him that biohackers are innately lazy and that humans are innately lazy. And we just, it's a survival mechanism, but that if you work smarter and, or you work really hard, I've always believed if you work really hard, then life gets easy. But if you take the easy route all the time, then life is hard. So what's interesting about his thesis, cause you haven't read his book yet, right? Yeah. Oh, and for listeners. So I recently aired well, as of this recording, an episode with Dave for his new book, Smarter, Not Harder. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. He actually thinks we should be lazy. Because I realized we did, I was like thinking back on that episode, we didn't really hardcore go into his laziness principle. So he thinks you should not have to work hard. Like basically, if we optimize like short-term acute stress, then we get this maximum stimulus and maximum gain, but you don't have to do this like chronic, drawn out, draining work. So like a marathon compared to hit training or now this new like re-hit training where you know, like super short burst. Yes. I know he was specifically talking about like fitness in that, like, I know he was talking about other areas too, but like the main example he was using in, in your interview was like fitness. Like you could spend like he spent like two two years or three years like working out at the gym so hard and not really making much progress. And then he started using biohacks and he turned everything around and he's like at 8% body fat now and effortlessly. So <laughs> I like how he praised the value of like work ethic and hard work, but it's a really interesting discussion to like ev- evaluate what laziness, what role did that serve and why is it there and, and wh- how can we work smarter, not harder? Yes. I love it. You need to come to the biohacking conference. <laughs> yeah. It sounds amazing. I wish I could come. I I really do. It sounds like something I'm going to have to come to in the future for sure. Can you imagine if we could hang out? And we would have so much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will give a link for listeners. So as listeners know, okay, so Vanessa and I are so, we're so similar in so many ways and we're so opposite in other ways. Actually, we're not that opposite in very many ways, but one of the ways <laughs> one of the ways is Vanessa has epic travel skills, which I'm envious of. <laughs> and I do not. So whenever I am actually traveling, that means it's like a big deal and it's something I find very worth having my presence there. So friends, a month from now, because this comes out May 22nd, a month from now, on June 22nd, you can go to the biohacking conference, the ninth annual biohacking conference in Orlando. And I am going to go, which is crazy. And I'm so excited because Vanessa, you've been to a lot of like conferences and you've done a lot of talking. So you've like met people in real life a lot, right? From our sphere. Yes. I, I was always, I was a regular like main stage speaker at KetoCon for the first few years before COVID, everything got shut down, but I went I did a book tour, which I got to speak all across the U.S., 
when my book came out. But I, I've done a considerable amount of speaking at these different like low-carb and keto events in Canada, the U.S., and Europe, and they are so much fun. Like They're just so incredibly fun to get to meet everybody, all the other people that you know in person, and to just get to hug people all day. Like It's just – it's really, really fun to get to meet and connect with everyone and like hang out with everybody. So I'm excited to get to go to them again. It's It's been harder having a child, but we're figuring it out. So I will get back to them eventually. And I, the biohacking one sounds incredible. Just really quick, what was your favorite topic that you presented on? Oh, hands down was autophagy. Oh, nice. Yeah. I did a, a deep dive. That was my talk at KetoCon one year and the Low Carb Universe, which was in Spain. It was a deep dive on all the mechanisms of autophagy and mitophagy. And a lot of people, you know, they know what it means, but in depth to really fully understand the mechanisms and what's happening is just fascinating. So that was definitely my favorite. That's amazing. So yes, I hope sometime you can come to the biohacking conference. That will actually be my first time at a conference for all of this stuff. So, I mean, what a way to start because, I mean, I'm not speaking. You're going to get swarmed by so many people who know you and I'll be so excited to see you. You're going to have so much fun. So like friends in the audience or listeners, you guys should come. We should come hang out because there's going to be so many people there, especially a lot of guests I've had on my biohacking show. So you can look at the the page. If you go to melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference, that will direct you to their page and you can see the speaker lineup. So people I've had on my other show, like obviously Dave Asprey, Joe Mercola, Catherine Arnston with Energy Bits, like the people at Bioptimizers, Max Lugavere, like so many people. Friends, come with me and you can use the coupon code MA40, so MA40, and that will get you 40% off tickets, which is very exciting. That's huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm really tempted. I'm really tempted to come. It sounds like it's going to be so much fun. Oh my goodness. I would die someday. I can't wait to like hear how it all goes though, because I'm going to be in the US, I think, around that time. So we're going to be on a more similar time zone and <laughs> it's going to be easier to communicate. Oh my goodness. Well, if you randomly want to make a pit stop in Orlando and come hang out, although I feel bad because I feel like most conference, I don't know, I feel like I'll... Like, like I'm not a conference person, so I'm not going to like be going from like, I'm not going to be going all day to all the things. I'm going to like respect my boundaries. Yeah. You have to and like take breaks and stuff. Yeah. I've been wanting to go, you know, to the metabolic health summit for a while and they're moving it to Florida this year. So that's really interesting. And then there's the, the ISSN, which is the Institute of, of Sports Nutrition, which is like the organizing body of the, the sports nutrition specialist that I have, specialization that I have, they do an annual conference in Florida. So I just want to go to all of those. Like I would love to even just like live in Florida because it would be amazing. And that just sounds like there's a lot of people who have like-minded sort of approaches to fitness and, and health in that, in that area. So I'm surprised it's not in Austin. I was going to say Florida and Austin. <laughs> I actually feel like I might move to Austin, honestly. Like everybody's there. Everybody. Actually, I'm surprised it's not in Austin. I would live there if if Pete would move there. It's such a fun town. I that was one of the, like the biggest motivators for me to go there for KetoCon, and they have the most amazing barbecue brisket ever. Like, 
it's, yeah, it's such a fun town. There's just so much going on. It's such a cute town. It's a walkable city. It's just, it gets very hot in the summer as we were talking about, but I think it's an awesome place. Well, we should manifest hanging out in Austin sometime. (laughs) So many things to manifest. Okay. So, well, speaking of shows, so that was again on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. I'll put links in the show notes. Come see me. June 22nd, use the coupon code MA40 for 40% off tickets. Oh, wait. And I was just about to go into you, but one last link for listeners. Dave also talked about his new Danger Coffee. You probably haven't tried it. Have you tried it, Vanessa? No, you're the first person who sold me about it, but sounds like it must be interesting. I just started drinking it. I really like it. So he made it with, it has like minerals in it. So it's supposed to be a mineralizing coffee rather than taking minerals from you. That's so smart. Yeah. And and I've been drinking Bulletproof coffee before that anyway. Like that was the brand I drank just because I really trust him with the mold stuff. And I'm very concerned about that. But the Bulletproof brand actually isn't his brand anymore. So he made Danger Coffee and I just got it and I am really, really liking it. So I've actually been getting a lot of questions for a discount code for it. So I got one for you guys. So if you go to melanieavalon.com slash danger coffee, you can use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Okay. That was all the links about me. What I wanted to say was friends, Vanessa, who I know this is our third episode together, but she is also the host of the Optimal Protein Podcast. That show is absolutely incredible. You guys should all check it out. Vanessa is very impressive in how she really dives deep into everything. And she recently did an epic interview deconstruction of a new study that came out about intermittent fasting and the role of protein. And so two things. One, check out Vanessa's interview or episode on it. Um, We'll put a link to it in the show notes because she does a really, really deep dive. But We also wanted to talk about it a little bit in today's show. I've been excited about this. It's been a while. Me too. It's such an interesting study and I was so excited to see it finally officially published because I first posted about it almost two years ago when it was presented. I think it was even, it was just presented at an obesity conference and I think it may have been in a poster presentation. So to now have the full paper, the whole research article, everything. I was so excited to see it. And it's just, I mean, everything that you and I both talk about on our own podcast, on that you've talked about for years on the intermittent fasting podcast, it's just, it reinforces so many of the, you know, the concepts we've talked about for, for years. And it's just so exciting whenever you see a paper that is really investigating something that is important and doing it in like a novel way and doing it, you know, in a way that gives us new conclusions, new information. So I was so excited when I saw that it was officially published. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health, including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. 
By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about InsideTracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. The title of the study is Intermittent Fasting and Protein Pacing are Superior to Caloric Restriction for Weight and Visceral Fat Loss, published in Obesity And then like Vanessa said, so it was a while ago, but just more recently. So when did they actually publish it? The date on here says that it was received in June and then it was revised and accepted in November of this year. But then the first article that I found- Or last year. Yeah, was that it was officially published in the latest version was like January of 2023. So yeah, it's, it's pretty recent. So I have a surprise for you about it. (laughs) Trying to decide which order to go with this. Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about the setup of the study and what they were testing? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think what was, you know, when I posted about this, definitely the main questions that people had were specifically about the protocol of the diet. So I was really interested in seeing like exactly how they did it, exactly what the methodology was. And then, you know, because obviously they had positive results or favorable results, or I wouldn't be (laughs) excited about the study. But I even dived as deep as as going through the menus that they were eating on the different days in the two groups. So they basically 
separated participants into two different groups and they were equated for calories. But one group did this intermittent fasting, they call it the IFP diet, which was doing intermittent fasting and consuming protein at regular intervals throughout the day. And the intermittent fasting that they did was they then subdivided that group into two groups that then they then put back together after four weeks. But in that group, they either fasted once a week for 36 hours or twice a week for 60 hours. And they had exactly the, you know, calories were equated, which, you know, actually the calories in the just calorically restricted group, which was the other group, were actually even lower than on the intermittent fasting protein pacing group. And they still got better results in terms of fat loss and mostly body composition. Like that's what really gets me excited about studies like this is they're improving body composition. There's another study that I was just sharing about on the podcast in the the most recent episode because they did a similar approach, but they they didn't change their calories in either groups. And all they did was increase the protein percentage. And they saw really positive changes in body composition, which means you get more lean mass and you lose body fat and lower your body fat percentage without even changing the amount of calories that you're eating, just switching up the macros. So I'm really passionate about this study in particular because it's combining intermittent fasting with also switching up macros a little bit to focus on a higher protein percentage. And that to me really excites me for the potential for improving body composition, because we all know that you can get results doing intermittent fasting and not changing anything about your macros. But if your goal really is to improve body composition, if that happens to be your goal and why you're doing intermittent fasting, you're going to see, I think, much better results if you bump up the protein percentage a little bit. And I know that's something that you're also really passionate about, Melanie. And you talked about this in your your episode when you talked about the study as well, but something that really resonated with me about it or what, something that I thought was really, really important was I feel like there are a lot of studies. So we have a lot of studies looking at intermittent fasting versus calorie restriction, showing extra benefits with intermittent fasting. We also have studies, there was that one sort of recently where, I don't know, I think there was like a few, but there's been some where it gets really sensationalized in the media and they say that intermittent fasting is no different than calorie restriction. And I just think it goes to show the major importance of, like you said, when we focus on protein and on the diet quality and combine it with the fasting, just the massive potential additional benefits in comparison to calorie restriction. Yes. Yeah. Cause so often it's, it's not, not using something like that. So I think it's really, really important. Although it's funny cause I was reading, I was reading the study and I kept reading it and I was like, I can't figure out what they're doing on the fasting day. And I was like, am I just not smart? I have to get the author of the study on my podcast somehow because I read this several times and I still cannot figure it out. And so they say, you know, when they talk about the protocol, they say that they fasted either for 36 hours once a week 
or 60 hours twice a week for two days a week. And then after four weeks, all they were doing was just once a week for 36 hours. So it sounds like a 36 hour fast. But then when you look at the menus, (laughs) it's a bit confusing. But it does seem like on the fasting days, they were still consuming things. But then when you look further into it, it's mostly like electrolytes and some ashwagandha, like adaptogens, adaptogens, electrolytes, sort of non-caloric beverages. That's what it mostly seems like. And then there is, I think, a, a snack that's consumed. So in a way, it almost makes like a fasting mimicking approach, but it's really hard to, almost impossible to figure it out <laughs> just reading the paper. And then I don't know if that's what they did on the two sixty days. And it's it's one of the issues I think sometimes you see in research is like they'll say it's it's intermittent fasting, but it's like their version of intermittent fasting. So I, I wish there was a, a little bit more clarity. Like, did they turn the clock on, you know, on that day and then not eat anything for 36 hours, which would make sense to me based on the results that they saw here or 60 hours. But then it's it's almost not even intermittent fasting at that point. It's more like fasting. So like I said, I read it and I was like, I can't figure this out. And I was like, am I just not, like, what am I missing? <laughs> know? And then I listened to your breakdown. I was like, okay, it's not just me. Well, are you ready for my surprise? I emailed the um, author of the study. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's amazing. Did they write back? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Paul Arciero? Yes. So shall I read you his email? (laughs) Yes, please. Oh my gosh. This is the best surprise ever. It's like Christmas. (laughs) Okay. So this is from Paul. He says, hi, Melanie and Vanessa, because I talked about you in the email. (laughs) Thanks for your interest in my research study on intermittent fasting and protein pacing and discussing it on your podcast. So cool. To answer your (laughs) question, sorry, I'm laughing. To answer your question, participants consume the 400 to 500 calories during the 36 to 60 hour fast. They followed a similar timing schedule of consumption as they did on the protein pacing days. Okay, ready for the good part? Please know, if you both agree, I'd love to be invited on your podcast (laughs) and share the results in detail, including the effects of the intermittent fasting protein pacing on the gut microbiome. Thanks and congrats on all your success with this awesome podcast. Paul. Wow. We should have Paul on. That is so incredibly exciting and wonderful. I was just going to say when you said you emailed him, like we have to get him to come on and talk about this because it's so, (laughs) that would be so thrilling. So isn't that exciting? That's amazing. Good job. I remember I've really found, especially having this show, the biohacking show, I feel like there's a whole potential ocean of people, like researchers who are not, you know, they're doing studies, but they don't have like books. They're not like in the popular media. Like, I feel like a lot of researchers are so accessible. Like if you actually just email them, like they want to talk to you. Yes. I mean, if someone emailed you and was like, I want to talk to you about your work, like your life's work, it's like, great. <laughs> Let's talk about it in front of like thousands of people. Like, yes, of course I would love to. So yeah, I agree. And I love that you reached out to him because I, I wanted to, but that's amazing. We have to b- schedule him in ASAP to talk about it. 
Yes. Vanessa and I have been talking about all the all the random people we want to have on the show. We're going to have Rick Johnson back on. It's going to be so fun. So yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll email him and we should have him on. Thank you. I can't wait. That's interesting though. And I guess we can talk about it maybe more when we have him on. What are your thoughts on, on that protocol that they did? So to clarify for listeners, if it wasn't clear from his answer, they fasted on the fasting days, 36 to 60 hours And they were actually, during that time, having 400 400 to 500 calories. So it's actually like a fasting-mimicking diet approach with the exception that the fasting-mimicking diet is very low protein. And this was very high protein. Which also has a great purpose, you know, to cycle once in a while low protein and like switch off mTOR and ramp up autophagy and everything. But how interesting to see a study doing the opposite of that, you know? It's also sort of like, I'm thinking of like protein sparing modified fasts where people, you know, have extremely low versions. I would, you know what I would love to see? And now I'm like, I should be making a list of questions for when he comes on. I'm really curious why they did it that way. I would love to see if they had done it the way you were hypothesizing that they had done it, which I was also hypothesizing. I was thinking maybe they had the 400 calories as a meal and then fasted straight. Like I would love to see a third arm where they did that. They mentioned in the study about the metabolic switching and how, you know, you're ramping up fat burning, oxidation, you're, you know, getting ketogenesis, you're getting more ketones, you're, you know, becoming more insulin sensitive and you're cranking up autophagy, lowering inflammation, oxidative stress, and enhancing lean body mass. But that really gets ramped up when you are just fully not consuming all of those things. Like it was really interesting to see that. And in in my podcast recap, I said, this looks like a protein spring modified fast to me. Like it's like doing, you know, one day a week or two days a week of protein spring modified fast, which is very effective for, you know, doing these kinds of things, but they're not just doing that on the other days of the week, they're doing protein pacing, which is this like consuming, I think at least four times, four to six times a day consuming protein. And, and so, you know, they're, they're maximizing all those opportunities for muscle protein synthesis. And I think that's a huge reason why they had such great results in terms of, you know, lowering fat mass and increasing the lean mass. And that, you know, it, it just was way more effective than in the calorically restricted group. In the fasting protein people, the non-CR people, on their eating days, on the days when they weren't, quote, fasting, which maybe we can circle back to that, were those days calorie-restricted with the protein or not? The both groups, I know they were trying to, like, equate calories between the two, but it's really interesting. I, I have, like, the exact menus from the study that I was looking at because I was trying to figure out like exactly what they were doing. But the men were eating 1,800 calories a day in the intermittent fasting protein group. And the women were eating 1,450. So they were all at a caloric deficit. But the the calorically restricted group was doing 1,500 calories for the men and 1,200 calories for the women. So like much much more caloric restriction, you would expect that they would have lost more weight, but they lost, or, you know, if anything, that they would have been at least equal. But in the intermittent fasting protein group, they were eating 
a breakfast, a lunch, a mid-afternoon snack, a dinner, and an evening snack. And all of them were high-protein meals. And so it's amazing to me that the calorically restricted group was was like 300 calories lower for the men and 250 calories lower for the women. And yet the intermittent fasting protein group got better results. And that's initially what launched intermittent fasting was some of the studies that came out with like Mark Madsen and Krista Verity who were showing that the intermittent fasting groups were getting better results eating more than the caloric restricted group. So the all the fanfare around these studies showing that intermittent fasting and caloric restriction can be as effective for weight loss, like they don't really say much, I think, because we know that you can get even better results. I'm so excited to actually talk to the the primary researcher and and that, that's going to be an amazing episode. If you added up the entire week and accounted for these, quote, fasting days, that's where they were trying to make the calories sort almost equal, right? Like if you added up every day. But wasn't this, the CR group was still slightly less, I think? I think it was still slightly less. But I know that the goal was to have them be the same. So basically it was comparing calorie restriction to calorie restriction, but a high protein version. And then they were also comparing this fasting, but it was really more like fasting mimicking diet or like a protein sparing modified fast. Yes. And then the calorically restricted group, you know, they were doing like the heart healthy approach <laughs> to diet. And I think the protein was between five up to 15% and the protein pacing group, it was closer to 25%. Gotcha. Okay. I can't wait. Yes. I can't wait to, to have him on. And so how do you feel about, do you call that fasting if they're eating the 400? Not really. (laughs) 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 Like I was actually a bit let down when I, when I saw that there were menus. Cause I was like, why is there a menu for a fasting day? You know, intermittent fasting, was really defined for me by Mark Matson. You know, he talks about it all the time as like, it's a pattern of eating. It's not a diet. So it's a way that you structure your eating window and your, you know, non-eating window throughout the day. And that non-eating window is non-eating. <laughs> so I was surprised, you know, but we don't know, like some people may have consumed it like all in one go, like when they were given their menu, they may have had it all and then fasted the rest of the time, I would have preferred it. I think it would have been like you were saying to have a third arm where that fasting time was actually just complete digestive rest, complete fasted state. Because every time you consume food, you go back into the fed state for four to five hours, depending on the size of the meal, of course. But, you know, so if you're, you're constantly eating during that fasted window, then it's not really fasted. And, and we know there's exceptions, right? With certain like certain beverages that are not sweetened or that kind of thing. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed. I was too. I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess I wish as well, like it's a great study. I wish the title because, you know, because the title's calling it intermittent fasting. And I think that's where we run into just in general, all of this confusion with understanding what's happening and what we can draw from it. And 
it's one phrase, intermittent fasting, that we use to describe so many different things. So like this example here of what they're describing it for is not even remotely similar to, you know, like somebody doing a one meal a day approach where they're not eating all day and then eating like 2000 calories, like completely different like thing or like a 16, eight window. So yes, but regardless and regardless, there's definitely a lot to learn from it though. I think like you said, just to bring it home, I think it really shows the importance of diet quality and the role of protein, especially the takeaway I would take away from it wouldn't even be so much about intermittent fasting. It would be when you're using calorie restriction to lose weight, go high protein. <laughs> that's my that's my takeaway. Yes, if you want to improve your body composition and be losing fat mass and gaining lean mass, you you really want to optimize your macros. Yes, yes. So, okay, we'll put links to that in the show notes. Hopefully, we'll be, we'll be back soon with Paul. <laughs> I'm excited to hear his microbiome stuff. Do you know what he's talking about? Have you read that other? I don't. And when you said that, I got even more excited to have him on <laughs> to talk about it because I'm sure our listeners also would love to hear more about that too. Awesome. I'm going to email him ASAP. So, all right. Shall we get into some questions for today? Yes, I would love to. So to start things off, we have a question from Nikki, and this was specifically submitted for Vanessa. Oh, so announcement before that. We're still running our incentive. So if you would like to help welcome Vanessa to the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, and if you already wrote a review, you can update it for this show. Or if you have never written a review, you can write a review. So it's super easy to do. And just write a review and include somewhere in the review what you're excited to experience with Vanessa as the new co-host or what you're already loving about it with her. Send us a screenshot to questions at ifpodcast.com and we will enter you into a giveaway to win over $500 worth of products from Beauty Counter. I am not making that up. And you guys know that I love beauty counters, safe skincare and makeup free of toxins and endocrine disruptors, which can actually have a very obesogenic effect on the body. That's a whole, that's a whole tangent. Actually, I recently had on Benazadi on my show and we talked all about the, he thinks the number one cause of resistant weight loss isn't diet, isn't exercise. He thinks it's actually the buildup of these toxins in our bodies because they can, you know, cause weight loss resistance. They can literally act as obesogens where they cause cells to be in a more fat storage mode and recruit inflammatory cytokines. And then when people actually lose weight, it can have this negative detox effect where people release these endocrine disruptors. All of that to say, I'm on a tangent, but our skincare and makeup is actually one of our largest sources of those compounds every day. So that's why I love Beauty Counter because they were founded on a mission to make products which are free of endocrine disruptors. Like that is their mission. So you can win over $500 worth of products if you go to Apple Podcasts, update your review or write a new review, say something about Vanessa, send us a screenshot and we will enter you. Okay. All of that to say, we have a question from Nikki and the subject is fasted exercise. And Nikki says, hi, Melanie and Vanessa. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. Melanie asked us to send in questions for you. I did. She says, so I'm so excited to get your thoughts on fasted exercise. You've talked about its benefits quite a bit in the Optimal Protein Podcast, but I'd like to break down the different types of exercise more because your answer may change my fasting days. 
My current protocol is two to three 24-hour fasts per week with high-protein, distinct meals on the other days, no snacking or grazing, based off of the fasting method protocol. For my workouts, I strength train Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with a personal trainer and lift pretty heavy two of those days. If there's time, I might do a very short, less than 10 minutes HIIT session afterwards. Side note, do you call it HIIT or do you call it HIT? HIT. Okay. I never like, no, I've been, (laughs) it's been like a decade of like talking about it and I never know what to say. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a combination of walking, easy runs, and hot yoga. My goal is body recomposition. While I'm really happy with my muscle growth, I want to lose some remaining body fat based solely off of the types of workouts I'm doing and assuming I want my longer fasting days to be on weekdays only for family reasons, which days make for the best fasting days. P.S. I forgot to mention I normally break a 24-hour fast at dinner with a high-protein meal. Also, I normally strength train in the afternoons, so I'd definitely be deep in the fasted state if I did that on my longer fasting days. Best Nikki. This actually flows in really well with the the study we were talking about, about the importance of protein. So, so what are your thoughts on this, Vanessa? This is such a great question, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening to both of our podcasts. (laughs) It's so nice to hear from you. I'm really happy that you have been, you know, learning about the importance of fasted workouts and the main sort of benefit of fasted workouts that I talk about a lot on the podcast is the mitochondrial biogenesis because there is research showing that if you are doing fasted workouts, you will get more mitochondrial biogenesis or the genesis of new mitochondria, which will help you to have better functioning mitochondria, greater number of them. And it really helps optimize overall wellness. So I would say it depends on which of the two goals that you're optimizing for. And I think the one that you're optimizing more for right now, because we're always switching up our goals, is to lose some body fat and you know, do a little bit of conditioning there, lose some fat mass. And so if that is the main goal, then I would say the what stands out to me is that, I mean, you could definitely switch it up either way because you mentioned at the very end that you do break your 24-hour fast with a high-protein meal. But if you want to optimize for building the muscle and losing the fat, I think the way to do it would be to do your your workout days on your eating days because you'll maximize the muscle protein synthesis if you're having more than just fasting in one protein meal. And, you know, one it depends on how experienced you are when it comes to resistance training, because if you're more so in your first like five years of training, you're window for building muscle is like 24 to 48 hours, that anabolic window after you work out. So you can have protein anywhere in that 24 to 48 hours, as long as it's enough to raise the leucine level in your blood enough to trigger muscle protein synthesis, which is usually like two to three grams. So I would say that you probably could do either because you are doing a high protein meal, but I would personally, if it were me, I would strength train on, you know, like you said, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and make those the eating days, and then do those fasts on the other days when you are doing more so walking, easy runs, and some yoga. And I think that that's that's what I would do because you're going to optimize body composition better. You're going to build more lean mass, and that's going to also help lower body fat percentage. And I think that you'll get 
Like some people get more power and output when they do fasted workouts. So that may be something to look at for yourself. Like how do you feel when you're working out fasted versus not? But you can still get the benefits of mitochondrial biogenesis if you do your workouts, say, in the morning or a time when you haven't had a ton of food, you could still get that. Also, if you're doing a higher protein approach that's lower carb or you're eating more so like a protein and fat meal for breakfast, there's research showing that you can get about two-thirds as much mitochondrial biogenesis than if you were just doing that workout fasted. So that would be my take on it. What about you? I felt the same way. Might as well, especially, well, this is going to be backtracking because we, we get so many questions about people worried about muscle loss with exercise and especially with like muscle building exercise and strength training and fasting. And we've, we've done a lot of discussion for years on this show about how you can maintain muscle with intermittent fasting. It can, it can actually be supportive if you do it correctly. So I don't want to like undo all of that by saying, yes, have it on the, have it on the muscle days to support muscle growth. I do think that you'll probably get the maximum bang for your buck with all of that because like Vanessa said, you're really creating all the signals for muscle growth on those days that you're doing the strength training and you know, really supporting that with the protein. And then we know that something like walking and easy runs, yoga, those are, you know, perfect, steady, low, consistent cardio type states to be fueled by fat burning. So those I think pair really, really well with fasting and are a great way to gently, you know, gently lose that fat that she's trying to target without sending overly stressed signals to the body. Yes. I concur. Awesome. Awesome. You'll have to let us know what you end up doing and report back, Nikki. Yeah. I also like what you said about how we're all individual and people, people really do have to find what works for them. I'm curious, what type of exercise, are you like an exerciser person, Vanessa? Yes. I, I'm really passionate about resistance training. And, you know, if if I can't do any other exercise in the week, I at least get that done. So I prioritize it above other forms of exercise, like HIT, for example. And I try to get three to four sessions a week. And it's usually about a 40-minute workout. I do it at home and I have free weights at home. And I really enjoy it. I think it's so important for improving body composition and like putting all that protein to work, building more muscle. But I'm really interested in trying out some of the newer technologies for building muscle. And I know we've talked a little bit about what you do with the EM sculpt, but I also heard Dave talking about some other technologies on your podcast. So I want to try all of these out. Did I tell you they're sending me the Carol bike? I heard you say it on the on the interviews. That that sounds really interesting. It's supposed to come Thursday. So it's supposed to come two days from now. So apparently, friends, we'll see when it gets here. Apparently it's a um, exercise bike. So backtracking again, I mentioned HIT, which is high intensity interval training, which for those people who are not familiar, it's basically, it's something that Dave talks all about in his book, but it's basically going all out max effort for a very short amount of time. So you're basically pushing your body to the edge, like the hardest that you can go and it's sending all of these signals and then you stop and you like 
rest and then you do it again and you rinse and repeat. And there, there are different protocols for it. The benefit of it is that it's a very short workout overall. Like, I mean, probably most hit sessions, what range from 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the format that you're doing it in, but you actually get the benefit of both fat burning and carb burning compared to just one or the other. And then the afterburn effect is it's very extended. Like, so studies have shown that you continue to burn fat for quite a while after that workout. So apparently the new version is rehit, which I'm still a little bit unclear on. I'd have to reread his book. Now there's this advancement with technology where they can use AI to evaluate your, you know, your heart rate and everything like that and adjust, adjust the machine you're using to give you the maximum bang for your buck. So apparently this Carol bike that I am receiving, you wear a heart rate monitor. I don't know if it has other biometric data that it takes from you, but I think the bike actually adjusts to be harder or easier to do. And so it it makes it so you get the ultimate workout in the shortest amount of time possible. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how it goes when you try it. I know. Me too. I just don't know where I'm going to put it. I'm like looking around my apartment. <laughs> yeah. So I will, I'll keep listeners attuned of that. You know what? I don't have the discount code for them yet, but I probably will. It will probably be Melanie Avalon. So, so I'll make a link for it at melanieavalon.com slash Carol bike. And I'm just guessing the coupon code is Melanie Avalon, but I will let you guys know if that changes. Um, so yes, but it's really exciting though, to see the future, like you said, of technology with all of this. Yeah. I also have a mirror. Are you familiar with those? Yes. I've seen them. I've seen them. It's like a mirror, standing mirror where you can do workouts and stuff. Yeah. Like with other people and everything. Yeah. That's, that's so futuristic. I love it. I need to get in the habit of using it. Like it's there. I forget that it's there. I'm sure you have like stockpiles of biohacking equipment and things. I'm looking over at my desk and I have so many things that are waiting to be tested out that I'm just like, and people are like, are you going to test it out soon? I'm like, Maybe if I can, <laughs> like, I just, yeah, there's just so many things, so many amazing products, technologies. I just love things that make us more efficient, can leverage our time more. So I think it all sounds really awesome if you can get more done in less time. And I'm really, really interested about the, you know, specifically building muscle with some kind of stimulation because I've heard now from a few people about specifically the EMS the electromagnetic stimulation of the muscle. For years before, I heard that it was completely worthless. And now I'm hearing a lot of people are getting a ton of results from it. So I really want to try it out. So interestingly, have you interviewed Terry Walls? No, but I know her. Oh, you know her personally? Like I know of her. Oh, no, of her. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had her on a while ago for the Walls Protocol. She's actually going on a lot more shows now because she is publishing a new study. So if you'd like to have her on her show, I know she's like wanting to go on. Show. Like she like randomly came back to me and was like, can I come back on for this study? So, but interestingly, she talks in her book and we talked on the show about using that e-stem for muscle recovery in people with MS. It's profound the effects it has on their metabolic health actually, because they're like not able to really like 
maintain and create muscle easily. And so this is a way that they can. And then she, we talked about how they are testing using it for astronauts in space because normally astronauts, you know, lose muscle due to the lack of gravity. So it's pretty cool. Hi, friends. This episode is brought to you in part by AG1. Some of our listeners have really had wonderful experiences with AG1, and we wanted to highlight some of them on the show. Mary Jane says, I feel better on days when I open up with a scoop of AG1 and a scoop of Cynthia's creatine powder in some Anna Lemma water. I find that I make better slash healthier food choices after and when I've experimented with a CGM or continuous glucose monitor, my blood sugar is more stable overnight. That said, we are all individuals, so what works for me might not be your jam. My husband originally got AG1, but once I added creatine and Anna Lemma, it was a game changer for me, really. I've noticed increased energy, less brain fog, and more REM and deep sleep too. If you would like to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. To get this incredible offer, just go to Drink ag1.com slash ifpodcast. And once again, the link is drinkag1.com slash ifpodcast and check it out. Now back to our show. So we have one more question before we go. And this question comes from Amy. This was actually from our Facebook group. She says, can you use the Juve, which is red light therapy for 10 minutes all over your body or only 10 minutes a day on a part of your body. And I will say, we've mentioned this before in prior podcasts, but we obviously adore Juve on this show. And Vanessa also has her own red light therapy line, which is so cool, Tone Lux. She's an expert in the red light therapy world. So Vanessa, red light therapy, 10 minutes all over your body or only 10 minutes on one part? And is it only 10 minutes? That's my additional question. Yes. So it's such a great question, Amy. Thank you for submitting it. So when it comes to using red light therapy panels, you really need to know the power output of the panel. So there's something known as irradiance, which is the power density measured in milliwatts per square centimeter. And it's going to tell you how many joules are actually delivered to your tissues. And the joules make up the dose for what your specific objective is. And as many of you know, which I think you're the reason you're asking this is because you're familiar with the fact that there is a bell-shaped curve when it comes to red light therapy. So if you don't do enough, you won't see results. And if you do too much, there's something known as the biphasic dose response where you don't get results either. So you really want to be in that sweet spot. And that sweet spot is determined by the power of the panels and the time and the distance you are away from the panels. So with my panels, for example, I have very specific dosing guidelines in the manuals for different things. Like if it's something more topical, then, you know, typically red light wavelengths are better for that as opposed to infrared, which go more deeply into the skin. And as sort of a general practice that I've received from real experts like Ari Witten, who wrote a book on red light therapy, you know, he tends to say 10 to 20 minutes, you know, around six inches away is like a good sort of guideline. But 
I always like to preface it with you want to build up to that. So if you're brand new to it, you could start with one to three minutes. You know, you can do skin sensitivity tests before that, but then do one to three minutes and sort of build up. And I've been doing it for a couple of years and I don't do more than 20 minutes. So I alternate the different things that I'm doing. So like, just like with resistance training or workouts, you know, I have my leg day and I have my face and like abdomen day. I have the day that I focus on like muscle, the muscles that I'm conditioning my body for. So I don't do more than 20 minutes in total. So like you'd be amazed at how effective though the panels can be in small increments. So for example, for your face, if you want to use it for boosting collagen and elastin factors, it's stimulating the epigenetic signaling that is going to boost those factors in your face. If you're using it on your face, you can use it for as little as like four minutes on your face if you don't have any makeup or anything on your skin. And because you're using red light, which just goes on the surface and you're pretty close to it, like six inches away, you only need like four minutes. So you can actually do a lot of different parts of your body depending on what you're wanting to treat it for within that 20 minutes. But I wouldn't go above that. Some people do it for different amounts for longer. Again, it really goes back to the irradiance or the power density of the panel that you're using because you can also not see results because you're using a panel that's not powerful enough. So you want to make sure to be using panels that are very powerful as well. I learned so much. That was like, that was very helpful. So question for you. So I have my device. Well, I have a few devices. I have a Juve panel on my desk and it's about, I'm so bad at gauging distance. It's about like, I literally need a ruler. Like I can't gauge distance. Um, it's probably two feet away. And I have it on, like when I'm working at my computer, I just have it on because the light makes me happy. So do you think that's an issue? Like it's on me. Personally, if I'm using it for ambient light, I don't shine it at me. I shine it at a wall and that then reflects around the room. So I like to use it at night for that. And in the morning, I actually turn it on when I get in the shower and then I'll shine it like in my direction, but I'm I'm like five or six feet away from it at least. So if you are shining it directly on your body. I also turn down the intensity. So I usually put it on like 25 or 50% of the, the total power in ambient mode. So I wouldn't recommend having it shining in your direction for more than 20 minutes, even if you're far away, because you could potentially activate the biphasic dose response and not get the results you could potentially see because of too much. But it's really hard to say like I said, it depends on the power, but I know it's a nice feeling and it's a nice balance out from all the blue light, you know, to have it. Yeah. That's why I do it. It, it feels like it, like you just said, like balances. How eloquent can I be in what I just said? Um. <laughs> yes. And the sign of a powerful panel is that when you're using it about six inches away, it should feel like a day at the beach. Like when you're, you know what I mean? Like that feeling. That's such a good little like practical like I'm, that's going to stick with me. That's great. I like a day at the beach. Okay. Well, now, now I'm just thinking how I've literally, how many years have I been sitting here with this panel on me? Half a decade. I'm sure it was only doing good things. You know, like there's 
cell-free mitochondria, your mitochondria are probably doing amazing, but we just still don't know like what exactly can trigger like that biphasic dose response. So that's why people just always say to play it safe because humans have a tendency to do if something is good, more is always better, but it, it isn't with red light. So, well, how can listeners get your device? Wow. Thank you for that. If you go to ketogenicgirl.com, I have the three Tone Lux panels there. So I have the half body panel, which is the sapphire. And I have the diamond, which is the face panel, but you can use it anywhere else on your body. And the gem, which is the portable one that is great because you can take it with you when you travel, but you can also put it quite close to your skin because it doesn't have the non-native EMFs because it's not plugged in. I love those those travel units. They're game changers for when you're traveling. I'm also thinking about now, how about the Juve that I have is always on my left side. So it's been five years of it, like on one side in my body. <laughs> okay. It's fine. Um, oh, wait, I do have one last question and then we'll go. I promise listeners. <laughs> so you know, what's really interesting being in this like biohacking sphere and all the men I talk to, this actually comes up a lot with men I talk to in this world. It's the number one question they have, right? I can't tell you how many, and this might sound crazy that this has come up like platonically, but it does. How many of them talk to me about using it on their, on their manhood? Yeah, I know. That's the number one question. I did an interview last week with someone and we were talking about red light and he's like, so I've heard that it boosts testosterone if you shine it on your undercarriage. And I'm like, yep, they all want to know. I think it's mostly because of Ben Greenfield, because I think he he was like doing that a lot and talking a lot about it a few years ago on his podcast. So it's kind of like filtered through the the ether to, to lots of men. But it scares me because you have to be careful because it's such a sensitive area there. And the worst thing for men, like the whole reason that men's gonads are on the outside of their body. Oh, I'm about to learn something. I'm about to learn something. Okay, wait. <laughs> The whole reason that theirs are in outside instead of ours are inside or ovaries are inside is so that they can stay cooler because it's so important for that area to not get overheated because it could damage sperm. So that's why like baths are really bad for men's fertility. And so imagine you're shining like a laser there. Like you have to be really careful and make sure that, you know, it's like one to one to three minutes and you're like keeping it at least like a foot away. I think people could do like, I don't, there's no negative side effects really to red light that have been like reported, but I, I don't think it would be good to heat that because especially with the infrared, you could really heat the area, but there's so many studies about it improving men's fertility as well as women's fertility. Like there's some really amazing studies on that. So it definitely can, can boost testosterone levels. It can boost fertility. It can boost a motility of sperm and function, but yeah, you have to be really careful. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I have, so when it comes up, like I said, in conversations with male friends in the sphere, I mean, most of them, most of those conversations have been about them actively doing it. So again, it's funny that that would come up, but like in the biohacking world, like you talk about this stuff all the time. <laughs> like it's like not... I'm like, I'm not flirting with them. <laughs> no, and I knew exactly what you were going to say before you said it. Oh, man. It's so funny. Do you know, is sauna bad for male fertility then? Yeah, I think 
It depends on the kind and like how long you spend in it. But I mean, there's a reason why men are, are less tolerant to heat. You know, there's lots of different reasons, but I think that that's, that's part of it. But I know baths are like not recommended if like you're trying to conceive or anything like that. Wow. Fun times on the intermittent fasting podcast. So speaking of listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, please do so. Just directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. And we talked about a lot of stuff. So those show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 318. And again, just a brief reminder, come hang out with me at the Bulletproof Conference in Orlando, June 22nd. Use the code MA40 to get 40% off. Also enter to win $500 worth of beauty counter by updating or writing a new Apple podcast review and talking about Vanessa in the review and sending that to questions at ifpodcast.com. And then you can follow us. On, oh, and you can also check out Vanessa's other show, The Optimal Protein Podcast, and mine, The Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. And then you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon and Vanessa's, which is Ketogenic Girl. I think that's all the things. Anything from you before we go? Oh, I just loved all the questions and all the different topics that we got to cover in this episode. And I already can't wait to record the next one. Me too. And I'm so excited to record with Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be mind blowing, I'm sure. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Sounds great, Melanie. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.